Hi, Vicki here with What Could Possibly Go Right, a project of the Post Carbon Institute. I am here with uh, my fellow board member, Richard Heinberg at the Post Carbon Institute to talk about his impressions of the interview that I did. It was just published with Sephora Berman. Um, and, uh, you know, so Richard, she talked about this fossil fuel non-proliferation treaty committee that she's the head of. And, you know, it's a, and, and she said that she was more hopeful than she's been in a long time, which I found interesting because she's been in the trenches as you have, as I have for decades. Um, and so I'd love to hear, you know, like we had a concentrated Sephora. Now, like, is there some context you want to put around that? Is there some additional loops we need to think about? What do you think about what she said over to you? Right. Well, it was, it was first of all, great to hear um, this, you know, optimistic news and, and framing of our, our energy and climate situation. And, uh, and I think that's going to be really useful, useful for a lot of folks to hear. So I, full stop. That's great. Uh, you asked for uh, some bigger context. Well, I, there's some things I could say. Um, I really liked Zipporah's framing of, of power. And I, I can speak to this because I'm actually writing a, a book on, on the subject right now. And, uh, <laughs> so stop me if I, if I go on too long, but uh, no, you can go on as long as you like, you know, all we're doing is recording and I understand. Hey I understand. audience, if you want to stop listening, just you're free. <laughs> she, Zipporah talked about challenging power, which is certainly important and also redistributing power uh, as we move away from fossil fuels and do what's necessary to, to minimize climate change. I would add one though. I think we ultimately have to do one more thing with regard to power and that is limit it. It's not just that we have the wrong energy sources. Uh, it's not just that the wrong people are making decisions and, and uh, funding the campaigns of, of politicians and, and so on. We have aggregated too much power um, in many of our human systems. And uh, certainly our, our political system is top heavy and, and we need to uh, depower some of the, you know, extreme concentrations of, of power that exist there. But also just in our daily lives, the way our current energy system operates, we're using too much energy. Uh, and again, it's not just that it's the wrong kind of energy. It's fossil fuel energy instead of renewable energy. Could be any kind of energy. The fact is we're using energy on a, a scale that's comparable to the amount of energy that nature absorbs on an annual basis from the sun and turns into, you know, trees and grass and, and birds and, and bears. And when, when we use that much energy, inevitably we take space away from the rest of nature. Inevitably we extract and draw down renewable and non-renewable resources, Renew renewable resources faster than they can recover and non-renewable resources, well, once they're gone, they're gone. So the, the only way ultimately we're going to 
get out of the fix that we're in, which isn't just climate change. I would characterize it more as overshoot. The only way we're going to get out of this is to find ways to limit our appetites and our numbers. And the thing is, and I go into some detail in the book on this point, we can do that in principle. Nature is full of ways in which species self-limit in order to avoid overrunning environmental limits. And human beings have a long history of doing the same thing. I mean, you go back to the Middle Ages and, and we had the commons, you know, where many, let's say main, many sheep herders would use the same commons. Well, they had to work out ways of keeping any one sheep herder from overgrazing that commons or it didn't work for anyone. That's just one example, but you know, all through human history, this has been a, a problem uh, one way or another. You know, too, too many people are using too much stuff or doing it too fast. We found ways of, of you know, taking care of that. Our problem in the modern world is that we've had these cheap, concentrated sources of energy called fossil fuels that represent millions of years of ancient sunlight you know, with solar panels, we're collecting sunlight in a real-time basis and trying to operate stuff. And, you know, it works. But what they're up against is sources of energy that represent millions of years of concentrated, transformed sunlight uh, in, in forms that are easy to use, easy to transport, easy to store. And that's enabled us to do massive amounts of stuff. It's enabled us to grow our population from 1 billion to 8 billion. It's enabled us to increase the rate at which we extract resources from the natural environment and turn them into products, which then become waste. That the whole scale of that enterprise has to come down. And, you know, we, again, we can do that. It's just that we've gotten out of the habit because of these last couple of hundred years, when whenever we came up, came up against a limit, we could get past that limit just by throwing more energy at it. You know, if, if, we, were, if we were depleting topsoil or ruining topsoil, well, we could get around that limit just by making artificial fertilizers out of fossil fuels or by transporting, you know, other, some other resource like uh, phosphorus from the other side of the world to use it as a soil amendment can't do that forever. Right. We, 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 uh, we are coming up against a reckoning. And I, I know the framing of your podcast is positive. What could, what could possibly go right? You know? Well, you know, uh, we have, as I say, we have the capability of doing this. We just need to remind ourselves. Right. There's something else about this. It's, it's not just up to politicians and corporations and you know, defeating the fossil fuel companies. This is also about us, what we do. How are we living our lives? Um, I speak from having spent the last, you know, 25, 30 years doing everything I can, my wife and I can, to transition our households so that we're using as little as possible and growing more of our own food and doing... This, it takes a while to get out of old habits of just flipping a switch and plugging something in and having something magically appear for you and you not having to do anything. So, you know, 
Well, if you're not doing those things, here's a great opportunity to get started. And the great thing is, the more you do of that, the more you get by with less and do things for yourself, the more you make, start to make mental connections, the more you appreciate things, the less you're just kind of a disembodied observer of the pageant of life, and the more you're a, a participant and how things really work, and it's a lot more exciting. Well, you're you're preaching to the choir over here. <laughs> no, I know. I, you know, it's it's um, it's just not exactly about what Sephora said, but it's so interesting what you're bringing. Number one, you know, what you just said is is a message I've been trying to promote for thirty years. Um, yeah, and. Um, I'd have despaired of really, but that doesn't mean that it's, it isn't just that I'm a little bit tired. Um, but this question of, of, um, of choosing something different, you know, it's, it's the things that I've seen that are outside, like what could possibly go wrong about what you just said, (laughs) (laughs) the things that I've seen, um, is, um, the system is set up in such a way that, that restraint anywhere in a system that's like this, yeah. that can keep sort of printing fossil fuel, if you will, um, is just a sucker's game. It just means that the, the predators are going to go and, you know, take all the meat, not just like, we're not going to set out six plates of meat and the predators will just have theirs and you'll have yours. Yeah. It's systematically discouraged. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, and then also uh, the other thing that we don't have a sense of limit about, I mean, individuals have a sense of limit about money because it's, you know, it's a scarce commodity for, a working person, but um, the banks print it, you know. So there is there is an entity that can keep feeding excess into the system via printing money and also producing energy. And it's to the very interest of this system. The, the system itself, the money and fossil fuel, those are the two, those are the two addictions that this that somehow or another, these are the two addictions we've been fed that we can't seem to get off of and to the detriment of our lives and to the detriment of the planet and to the benefit of the people who are the holders of somehow the rights to exploit the planet. It's just a very strange dead end, you know, box canyon that we're in. Right. So I'm, not, I'm not going to say it's easy right, or right. That it will be easy. What I, what I will say is that it is, first of all, in principle, it's possible. And second, ultimately, we have no other choice. Well, know. bingo. You know, it's just like how far, how many of us are going to have to die? Well, and we're not going to talk about that. Sorry, cul-de-sac. I'm going to get out of that one. No, but, but two, it's, but we're in this process. Go ahead. The two things you mentioned, fossil fuels and money, do have limits. Uh, it may not, it, up to this point, it has seemed as though they don't, but in, in printing money entails debt. That's how, that's how money gets created. And too much debt does not end well. And we've seen that 
throughout history. Right. When the when the the confidence that those debts can't be repaid evaporates, then the whole house of cards starts to come exactly. Down. Same exactly. thing with fossil fuels. These are finite, depleting resources, and we're starting to see the consequences of that in, in, in real time, especially with oil, but also with coal. World coal production is declining. World oil production hit its peak in uh, November 2018, uh, two years ago. And so we're, we're actually already in a new era. We just haven't caught up with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like Wiley Coyote rushing off the cliff and, and exactly after a second, he realizes that there's nothing holding him up. We're in a Wiley Coyote moment right now. Exactly. We're like a teenager. We, you know, we're drinking and we just don't see the consequences. You know, we don't see cirrhosis of the liver. We don't see, we don't, we don't see that when, when, you know, it's like, that's part of of maturation is being able to link action with consequence. Right. And I've often felt, well, the framework I'm thinking about now is maturation, that we are mm-hmm. immature. We don't have, because part of maturation is, is like basically linking um, events with consequences. And the other part of it is understanding limits. And part of understanding limits is being able to project, you know, like delay of gratification or projecting. If I keep going in this direction, this is where I'm going to get. These are, these are fundamental societal survival capacities. And we've been taken off of the sort of place-based, more indigenous systems where, where it was well understood through stories for millennia that the story is, is if you overfish, you won't have fish. If you overhunt, you won't have meat. The, the culture held that story for a long time. And so you learned it. We don't have the stories in a way right. at this point. If I, this- I would submit that it's not just that we're an immature species and, and we have to grow up in order to learn these lessons. It's more like what you were just saying. We used to grow up into mature adults who understood limits, but over the last couple of hundred years, we've been artificially infantilized. Exactly. We've been encouraged to remain in this infantile state where we think that the sky's the limit. We can have anything we want because why? Because we're Americans or (laughs) just because we're humans. Right, 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 right. Or we've 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 been flooded with messages uh, uh, about that. I think this is a, a, a nice place. I could talk to you forever, but that's a good place <laughs> to put a pause that basically animals do understand the limits of their niche be- because they get feedback. The, the niche gives them feedback. And so far we have not had the feedback that, that of a global civilization that's fueled by money and fossil fuel, we don't have the feedback mechanisms yet. And, you know, and then there's some like, you know, ninnies over in the corner, like you and me going, oh, it's gonna run out, my, my word. <laughs> that feedback is coming, look out. <laughs> exactly. Well, look out for the feedback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, all approaches that happen in good spirit with dedication are all worth it, 
you know, and that's go back to Sephora. I was excited about her initiative yep. and this feeling that you can claim power. You don't have to sit around and, and petition for power in, in a political sense. You can claim it. And there's a different feeling about that. And I think that's where her hope came from of like having yep. sort of sort of thrown off the shackles of being a petitioner, you know, at the gates of the castle and realizing, no, no, we get to say, you know, yeah. it's like, so some of this, some of the limits are the limits of our own imagination about sure. actually how can we do this? So I'm enthused by all of it. Why not? Yep. Okay. <laughs> what Thanks else do we so have much. to do? Yeah, what else do we have to do, Richard? Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you, Vicki. It's always a pleasure talking with you.